Hello again, and welcome to another episode of the Jeff and Josh podcast, Bear and Parrot, Human and Other Human. You know who we are at this point. We speak to you just about every week. Not a not a super regular schedule. It's whenever we're both free and, you know, we're about to be really, well, we're not about to be, we are really busy. I was just telling Jeff, you know, uh, the next 45 days from when we're recording, we have two books and two issues due, and then it will be just about Christmas time, but it is a lot when you say it out loud and there's going to be other stuff. The winter meetings, uh, is gonna rule happen. five draft, rule five draft, which is part of the winter meetings. Uh, I'm sure there'll be trades and other stuff that will pop up, but you know what? Right now we're not talking about all those things. We are talking about what we always talk about at this time. We are talking about the Arizona fall league and Jeff, you are the luckiest. Well, you were the luckiest man alive last week. You are <laughs> less lucky right now because last week, you were in the Arizona Fall League. As a matter of fact, you were staying just steps from where I stayed. At the I was in the lovely courtyard Wrigleyville West, and you were in the Sheraton Wrigleyville West, which is just a, a Matt Mervis home run or two away from Sloan Park. So now you're back. You're back in the Eastern Time Zone. You're back in your Bat Cave here. Just tell me like, how was the uh, how was the experience? A week down in the Fall League in Mesa seeing a whole lot of really fun prospects yeah it was a great week um you know i was able to double up the first three days i was there um friday morning was was a little busy plus it gave me a little bit of time to cut some video write some reports do some of the stuff that i had to do uh then went and saw carson wisenhunt for my last regular season game on friday night um Followed that up with the home run derby on Saturday over at Sloan uh, and then did the same thing. Walked over for the fall stars game was there for uh, all the BP. You can see all those videos. I think just about every player um, up on my Twitter. And uh, then, you know, obviously took in the fall stars game, which was uh, pretty good. You know, I've got to see some, some star hitters look like star hitters. All the pitchers came in that I wanted to see. Um, saw some good stuff. A lot of good fastballs in that game. And uh, yeah, I'm kind of returning here now. Got in la late last night and uh, just sort of thinking about all the different arms that I saw, plus all the, the good food I ate. Ate a lot of good food while I was out there. Good Mexicans, good Colombian, a lot of In-N-Out Burger. You know, I mixed it up. You know, it's funny. Like, I, I think that was my ninth or tenth fall league. I've never been to In-N-Out uh, ever. I, I mean, I took former BA colleague and former Diamondbacks area scout Hudson Belinsky there once, but I really just dropped him off or waited while he ordered food. Because as anybody who knows me knows, when I go out there, I eat Mongolian grill as much as possible. My record is 16 helpings of grill in 14 days, which is truly psychopath behavior, but is also par for the course for this bear. I love it. <laughs> it loves me usually. And it brings me back to uh, my college dates when I, again, psychopath behavior, would schedule my classes around when the or University of Oregon's Mongolian Grill opened at 11 a.m. So I'd go 8 a.m. class, 9 a.m. class, 10 a.m. class, first in line at grill, have my lunch, and be done for the day. But that's a small diversion from the uh, the Arizona Fall League. But you, you said you saw all those games out there. You saw the Fall Stars game. I guess the the easy question is, you know, with all those games combined, who was the most impressive? Uh, let's start with pitcher that you saw. 
Ooh, um, I think there's a few guys in the running, uh, but the guy that I, I walked away from most impressed by um, was probably Brian Wu, uh, right-hander from the Mariners. He pitched for Peoria um, when I saw them. Uh, ooh, I'm trying to think who they played that day. Uh, was it Scottsdale? No, whatever. I'll, I'll look again. Um, but he, oh, excuse me, it was Salt River. Um Pitched really well, three innings. Uh, fastball is definitely legit. 93 to 96 on that. It's a really good operation, really streamlined, repeats really well. Um, the secondaries are kind of fringy to maybe average. Um, nothing really stuck out there. But just just from somebody that I had maybe watched on video a few times, uh, you know, uh, this season um, in high A, and then getting an opportunity to see him live, see how the stuff plays out of the hands. Uh, it's a really good fastball. It's a really good operation. Uh, and, you know, if those secondaries tick up even a little bit, you know, I think just based on his movement, uh, how he throws, I, I think there's going to be consistent command there going forward, particularly of the fastball. So I would say he impressed me the most. And, um, you know, Emmett Sheehan was really good, uh, but I've talked about Emmett Sheehan a few times. Mason Miller was the other guy that's that's right there for me. Probably the loudest stuff I saw in AFL. It's a legit 100 mile per hour fastball. He sat 199 to 100 miles per hour, touched 101 on my gun. Um, he's got sort of a power upper 80s, you know, cut slider type deal. Um, that was a really good pitch for him, and he and he should feel for what I would call a power changeup at 90 miles an hour. Which, of course, when you're throwing 100. 90 is is perfectly acceptable as a, a velocity separation off of <laughs> off of the heater. So Miller was really good for me through three perfect innings, struck out five. Um, that was a good one. So yeah, uh, kind of came away really impressed by by Miller um, and Wu. I thought Sheehan was good, and there's there's some other arms too that I thought thought were you know good right there. Tink, of course, but I don't I I, I almost don't even count Tink because we knew Tink was great. <laughs> You know, it's funny you bring up both uh, Sheehan and, uh, yeah, you bring up Sheehan, who struck out 10 today. Uh, this is Tuesday, the last, uh, the first day of the last week. Weeping slightly here for a second. The last week of Fall League. Um, he struck out 10 today in his final, I assume, his final start. And Mason Miller struck out six over three, I believe, shutout innings. So those two gentlemen are going strong and i will note too that uh she and his teammate both on glendale and in the dodger system jose ramos was four for five and was a double shy of the cycle so good for jose here's the the podcast shout out um those two guys really stuck out i think i think those are those are standout guys for other people in the industry too it's not uh names by haven't heard those aren't, those aren't uh, surprising names I know I highlighted Miller as one of my sleepers to watch, uh, basically because I saw on Las Vegas' Twitter feed, like, hey, he's throwing 100 miles an hour. About half his pitches are 100 miles an hour. That seems like a pop-up guy, or not even a pop-up guy. That seems like a guy to watch to me, because we had him ranked in the middle of the A system to start the year, and then he got hurt and missed most of the year and wasn't healthy in pitching again until after our final re-rank. Um, and in between, the A's made a ton of trades and added a bunch of dudes. So he got bounced out um, during the system uh, during the year. Needless to say, he will be back in the A's 30. 
somewhere, maybe yeah. even in the 10. Um, that list will be written by former BA employee and current BA freelancer, Mark Chirelli. So look out for that in the coming months. Uh, you probably get, you. I don't know if you get the book before you'll get the 10, but that's, we do them East Division, Central Division, West Division, and obviously the A's are in the West Division. So you'll see them later in the winter. Um, but those are two really interesting arms. How about, uh, how about some hitters that you really enjoyed taking a look at there, Jeff? Yeah. Um, hmm. Well, I, I think there's a couple guys that do stick out. One that comes to mind immediately is, uh, is Will Wagner. Um, saw Wagner go deep for a game winning Homer on Wednesday night, uh, in surprise against Glendale, uh, hit it in the bottom of the eighth inning proved to be the decisive game winning shot, but I'm just, in, I'm just impressed with the, the bat to ball there, the approach. He's got really good takes. Um, one of those guys that, you know, he's ballsy enough to take some stuff that you're kind of like, wow, he took that. Um, and, and it rewarded him. And I think there's more, he's gaining impact in the, in the sense that he's hitting the ball harder now than he did at the beginning of the season. There's been progress in that regard. I know that the Astros have been working with him on that just from like a player development, player plan sort of standpoint. So um, the dev plan seems to be, seems to be tracking because I thought Wagner was pretty good. I don't know what he is defensively. There's, there's, <laughs> it's not a great body. He's not a runner. It really is a bat, heavy bat for his profile. Um, so take that with a grain of salt. You know, if we're talking about big names, of course, Jordan Walker was good for me. Mason Wynn. Uh, was good for me. I thought Jackson Merrill, who we've talked about before, probably the best hit tool, maybe the best swing. If I had to reward or award the best swing to the, any prospect I saw last week, he would certainly be there. Um, you're missing one. Think, you know, sorry, you're missing one. Come on, I'm missing. I'm missing one. I'd say um, Matt Mervis, uh, Heston Kerstad are both right there. Kerstad was really good for me. Um, you know, I, I, I was impressed just with the approach. There's a lot of bats of ball there. I think there's going to be easy power, particularly to his pull side. Um, Mervis, I like the swing. I think he's, I think he's a, a 50 first baseman kind of right out the box. And there were a few scouts I spoke with uh, last week that, that felt the same way and sort of confirmed my thoughts on that. And then I got to see Eduardo Julian. Uh, in person there he is and yeah I, I, I was saving that one to the end so I you know I I, bingo card. I uh I, the approach is good he hit a homer for me it was win aided but he did hit a homer um you know I think there's certainly some bats of ball skills there probably average power um he's not good defensively I was hoping to see a little bit more at second base to make me feel a more confident that he could be an average defender at second. I don't think that's the case. Um, I had some scouts that put 40s, 45s on in there if they were optimistic, um, which is okay. You can get by with that. I don't know how that's going to work necessarily with the new ship rules and a little bit more demand on second base in terms of range and just you know being able to make plays. I don't even know if it's a range thing so much as it's more like actions and um, just feel for the position at times. So, um you know, I got to see, I got to see Nick York as well. Um, I don't know. I'm still 
kind of waffling on that. Uh, I got a game where he had three hits. Um, it seems like the contact there, it seems like he's leaning back into sort of that part of his profile. I don't know so much about the pact um, and the power. It's a really high load uh, in terms of where his hands set up. It's a long way for the bat to travel. That kind of worries me a little bit with him. Um, but, you know, I do think there are, you know, field to hit. There's some barrel adjustability as well. Um, so I don't know if I'm all in on the sort of uh, Nick York comeback. I'm absolutely back in on the Heston Kerstad uh, comeback. I think that the bat is absolutely for real. I don't have really any questions about that at all. Um, the other guy I'll throw out there too, uh, Carlos De La Cruz had a phenomenal game in front of me. He went four for five, hit a homer, had a triple in that game as well at Glendale. Um, the, he hit the ball under the winds, but it was not a wind dated. That was a legitimate homer, I think. Um, played some center field. Uh, you know, I don't know about him in the outfield, but you know, when he's hitting and he's making contact, there is massive impact there, uh, as you would expect from someone who's six foot eight. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny we're talking about him. And obviously, there's a, there's a couple big boys in, in prospect yeah. right now. Uh, James Wood with the Nationals. Um, Spencer Jones, Jones with the Yankees. There's a non-prospect in the big leagues named Aaron Judge, who's six foot seven, also with the Yankees. We're seeing a little bit of a resurgence, not a resurgence, but a, a lot of more taller prospects <laughs> than I remember. There's these, these, giant, mm. these giants among men who are – Jordan Walker is a big boy too. Yeah, George Jordan. Yeah, he's huge. He's I, I had never seen Jordan Walker before um, at all. I'd never been in the same room with him, anything like that. Um, you were at the Futures game, so when I saw Jordan uh, by the batting cage, it's like that is a large human. Yeah, I, it's funny. He makes like it, he's always next to Mason Wynn, so he makes Mason Wynn look small. And Mason's not that small. Mason's bigger than I am. He's six one. He's a legitimate, you know, six foot one, whatever, you know, two hundred and ten pounds. Um, and he's always next to Jordan. And Jordan's six five, six six, or whatever, and extremely long. So you know, he, he makes everybody look short. Yeah, and and to your point about Heston Kierstad, he's the Arizona Fall League total base leader. He's the extra uh, total base leader with fifty nine, extra base hit leader with fifteen. Your boy, Edouard Julien, is 22 walks. Uh, you're playing the hits here, man. Julien leads with uh, – ooh, you're, you mentioned two guys who are .001 apart in slugging percentage. Will Wagner's at 681 and Julien's at 682. OPS is Julien. Hits are Kierstad. Doubles are Kierstad. So, you know, I you're not scouting the stat line. But uh, if you were, you would have picked the right ones there. Yeah, the other guy I'll throw out there, too, um, that kind of had some bad luck, but I thought, like, he made a ton of good barrel contact, and it was really easy. And I don't have any concerns with him as being a high strikeout guy. Um, and that's Andy Pajes. Um, Pajes just backspins everything. Now, sometimes that's to his detriment, <laughs> as there are a lot of uh, – fairly easy fly balls to the warning track a lot. Um, but it's not for a lack of contact or power. It's certainly there. I thought the approach was fine. Um, he's going to be a player. It seems it's probably going to be somewhat uh, um, 
captive of you know whether whether balls are falling for him or not. But I do think he's going to be an an above average offensive player. Uh, I like Pajes. I got some questions about the body and where he projects on the defensive spectrum. It looks like left field would be optimistic, um, but you know I I also don't want to write it off because I I didn't see him play a ton um, defensively. But he played right. He played left. He seemed like he was fine. Um, arm seemed like it was good, but he's interesting. Um, I definitely like Pajes. I like the swing. And like I said, I, I think he's going to hit. I, I think if you watch him for three or four games, you just see he doesn't struggle to make contact. He's really fooled. And there's definitely a loud barrel, uh, you know, in there. It's funny. You know, I just flashed Jeff, to mes- Jeff a message on a piece of paper that I had standing next to me, standing next to me, next to me. And uh, I look at I looked at it, and this is a fall league lineup card from 2018. So that's just what I have lying around my living room right now. <laughs> and with that lovely anecdote, we are going to take a quick ad break right now. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. What I love about using Indeed is how it does a lot of that organizational work for me. I can sort through candidates. I can respond to them. I can schedule interviews all through Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses, including Baseball America, that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we're back. So, you know, we've talked about your hitters you like. We talked about your pitchers you like. Any final thoughts um, on the Fall League, the experience? How about the uh, the wild ending to the Fall League Fall Stars game, which saw Tink Hens facing Jordan Walker? Because there are no rules in the Arizona Fall League, baby. <laughs> yeah, they, the American League had run out of pitchers in the Fall Stars game. Uh, as they always do in the Fall Stars, it seems like the home team ends up winning the game. But they they play uh, the bottom of the inning just to to get you know another set of at bats, some more pitchers in that haven't pitched yet. Uh, so what ended up happening was uh, they brought on some National League pitchers. The final of which was was Tink Hens. Uh, he faced Andy Pajes. Pajes got a hit with two outs. So that set up the matchup that I think everybody wanted to see in the fall league. And that was Tink Hens versus system mate Jordan Walker uh, on the first pitch. Walker took him deep. <laughs> it wasn't the first pitch, right? He wasn't. It too. was the first pitch. It was the, it was first, the first pitch. He took him deep to the opposite field, but as far back as he could and to keep it in the stadium. And of all people, Heston Kerstad jumped up, stretched, and uh, 
made an off-balance play, but one that proved to be, I would say, probably the best defensive play, non-Mason non win throw of the game. Yeah, I was going to say, you missed the, the Mason win throw. Um, you know, Justin Martinez impressed with his uh, his changeup of, of doom. Yeah, it's a splitter, man. That thing is nasty. That is I a nasty. I was watching the broadcast, and I think he got four, four or five straight whiffs on stuff. He he did. Wow. He got, I believe, I have it written down over here if I pull up my notebook, but I believe he got, well, let me look at it, because Christian Chamberlain was the other one looked really good. He got three or four whiffs, and he got whiffs on that fastball against Jackson Merrill. Um, yeah, and then he got Julianne to swing through twice in a row. Uh, yeah, Martinez, I thought, was the one that got Julianne. Yeah, 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 he did. Yeah, he has got two really good guys in a row. I was watching, you know, I was watching the broadcast like a hawk because, you know, yeah. Hawk, so hawk Martinez, Martinez started out with Ronnie uh, Simone. That's right. Uh, at ninety six, looking eighty six and eighty seven. So that's the splitter with uh, ninety eight mile per hour whiff for Julian to start at the at bat. Hit him with eighty six, another really ugly whiff. Took eighty seven. And then hit him again with a splitter at 88 uh, for a really ugly whiff. Um, that was a really that was a really good inning. That was one of the standout innings, uh, my opinion. And the other one I was mentioning was Christian Chamberlain. He got two fastball whips on a three pitch strikeout of Zach Bean, followed it up with um, uh, a whiff on 93 miles per hour against Jackson Merrill. Uh, he ended up eventually getting Merrill on a curveball, and then struck out Andy Pajes on. Four pitches, uh, started in curveball, curveball, fastball was fouled off, and then hit him with a final curveball uh, to, to lock him up. So it was a uh, it was a really good inning for both those guys. Um, Abner Arebe impressed as well. Uh, he was like 99 to 100, um, really swaggy. He probably should have struck out Louis Hill Acuna, but um, he got a, uh, a, a, a nice call for a, a ball four. A generous call and he came back out and struck out Nick York I believe on three pitches and then pointed over to Acuna and was like you got lucky and then like walked off the mound um it was pretty fun uh he's a guy that I, I wasn't all that familiar with but was was fairly impressed with um another couple guys to throw out there Thad Ward pitched really good for me on Friday night uh he, he was the best pitcher I saw including Carson Wisenhunt on Friday night in Scottsdale and then Hagen Danner pitched um, in that Peoria Salt River game. He came in late for Salt River when they were down. Let's see, Blair Calvo followed by uh, Hagen Danner, followed by Tink Hence. It was a nice one, two, three of some stuff. Um, and the way, that game, the way they had pitched earlier in that game, they might have should have started with those guys potentially. Um, but he was really loud up to 98 miles per hour with a banger. If he's healthy, I think he could be a guy that could potentially help the Blue Jays in their bullpen next season. Well, that's um that's pretty much all we have for today as the zoom timer ticks down uh to the end of this podcast we are we are only uh minions in the world of zoom because i forgot to sign in as carlos Colazo, who you know he has the, the the fancy unlimited zoom plan so i have to be myself and live within my own limits which means we have three minutes and counting to go and i'm not going to take all of them just fumfering like this um Thanks, Jeff, for for uh, for getting on the horn with me tonight. And uh, I'm sad for you that you're back from the Fall League because the Fall League is the greatest of all leagues. 
Uh, pay attention to our site. I've already put my Yankees top 10 out there. I've got Marlins coming up uh, Thursday. He's got the Blue Jays, you know, next week, and there's lots more to come. Kyle Glazer, fresh from the World Series, is in the Fall League right now. He is probably, frankly, getting ready to watch Kumar Rocker right now. Uh, T-minus 30 minutes away from Rocker Fest 2022, the final version. And then he'll be there for the play-in game, which is a new feature of the Fall League, and the championship game. And then um, that's it for us for the Fall League. It's just a matter of, you know, getting out your calendar and counting down. Uh, let's see if I can do this. Six from 42. 46 weeks or so until the next Fall League. That's keeping your eye on the prize, baby. For Jeff in Massachusetts, I'm Josh in North Carolina. Bidding you adieu. Thanks for the download. Bye-bye.